Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, all right. So it's just this right here.
Is that better? I'll figure it out one of these days. We especially want to welcome our guests. We know you had other opportunities, and we are glad you chose to worship with us. We hope that you will feel welcomed and that you will come back and join us again soon. If you are a guest this morning, you may wish to read the To Our Guest article on the first page of the bulletin to learn about some of the worship features and to make you feel more comfortable. And please do take time to read your bulletin announcements. Our mission team, this well, there's a lot in the bulletin that we want to point out to you real quick, and it's nice to know that the bulletin announcements are now showing on the screens, too, before church, so you can kind of keep up with it there. But Adelton Family Ministries is searching for folks to help with refreshments between services. Life, Live, and Faith Everyday Group Bible Study meets in room 104 and 102 on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Your schedule is in there, and there are prayer requests in the bulletin, and please do... Uh, Check those out and, uh, and help those families and, and persons with prayer. Chandler United Methodist Men's Group meets on the first Friday of each month. That will happen this coming Friday, the 5th. That's at the Black Bear Diner at Alma School in Queen Creek, and that's at 7 a.m. And certainly all men are welcome. And uh, you'll notice that uh, later today at 11.30 a.m. here at the church, there is going to be a memorial service in honor of Joyce Hammock. Joyce passed away recently, and her memorial service will be at 11.30 today here at the church. Thank you and welcome. hear me? Yes. All right, I need you to close your eyes. Imagine the day before your birthday, and your parents are throwing you a, it not be big, but a really special birthday party. There's going to be a bounce house. Am I right? Is this, are we liking this bounce house? Okay. There's going to be your favorite food, and then the day before you see a table full of presents, and you really just want to open it. So half of you says, what does it matter if I open today? Right? I'm just going to open them all. What would happen if you did that? You can open your eyes. What would happen if you opened all the presents? You would have none for your birthday. Right. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. You have to wait. And it starts with P. We have to have what? Patience. Patience. Do you know Miss Faith, who, don't say my age, but 30 plus 15, let's just say that, Okay. 30 plus 15, just say, this face 30 plus 15, okay? I am still learning this thing, this very important fruit of the Spirit, patience. So if you don't learn it now, you're going to still be having hard times, like Miss Faith, okay? And so it's one of those important things that we know that shows the world that we follow Jesus. So when someone cuts off Miss Faith, do you think I say, God bless you? Do you think so? Sometimes. Right? I say other choice words. But we have to be so patient with our parents, our brothers and sisters, or teachers. Or you know what? When we look in the mirror, we need to be patient with ourselves. 
right? And Jesus showed us that. So this week, I really want you to think of that word, patience, patience, patience. And I've learned to stop praying for that because when I pray for that, <laughs> I get a lot of fun. But what I do is I say, Jesus, help me surrender. Help me to follow your way so I can be more patient, right? All right, let's pray. Thank you so much, Jesus, for showing us your heart and your spirit and your patience with us. Please remind us this week to offer that same patience with others. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. Time for Sunday school. Let's go. Okay, so I got to hear about this li lipstick.
What uh, are you most joyful about in your life today? Is there a sense of excitement about something that's happening or going on in your life, in your relationships? Second question, what are you most concerned about today in your life? What troubles you, what haunts you? What continues to keep pecking at you that you can't seem to get figured out? I think worship is a time to come and to ponder the mystery of God's grace of one who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised to be with us in those tough times. He's promised to be with us in those good times. And so we come to affirm. We come to let go of what we need to let go of, to claim what we need to claim, and to move forward in faith knowing that God is with us. Will you join with me as we pray together, please? We pause in these moments, O oh God, to give you thanks for your promises, the promise that you will never leave nor forsake us, that you have promised to come to us and to be with us. We thank you. This morning we come with hearts heavy because of an ongoing war in Ukraine and other tensions and unrest in this world of ours. We come concerned about our own nation, our people, an election this coming week. We have concerns about what's happening with the economy, what's going on in various places. And so many of those things we feel powerless. We're not quite sure what we can do, but we would like to see things differently. We would like to see things more in a positive way. We also pray this morning for young people and parents and schools, some going back, some already having returned. We ask you will bless teachers and students, administrators, and parents, guiding them, giving them strength. So hear our prayers this morning, O oh God. To those who are lonely, draw near. To those dealing with health concerns, become the great physician. To those who are doubting, become a source of strength and courage. Hear our prayers, for we prayed in the name of Christ our Lord, who taught us when we prayed to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In my 50-some years of ministry, my favorite part of every Sunday morning worship service is getting to ask for the offering. I love to ask people for money. 
And the reason is because none of it is for me. I'm not asking for me. I'm asking you out of your relationship with God to give generously to support the ministries of your church, to support the difference that your church makes here and around the world. So at this time, let's uh, have a smile on our face as uh, we dig a little deeper, give a little more, and find great satisfaction in joining God in making a difference in this world. Amen? Scripture reading this morning, there are three from the Old Testament. Please stand if you're up able. Uh, we're reading from Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, 1 Kings 19, verse 9 and 10, and Isaiah chapter 6, 6 through 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? From 1 Kings 19, verse 9 and 10. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And from Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And the people said, Thanks be to God for the gift of Scripture.
Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this is a bit different for me this morning to be here and uh, participating in two services rather than one. I haven't done that for a long time. So, uh, you know, I'll have a practice here and then I'll really, well, anyway. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning as uh, we continue in this process about uh, ministry together between our two churches, how we can enhance not being in common, not being in conflict, but uh, being together faithful to Almighty God in this time and place where we find ourselves. And as I reflected on uh, what I might share with you this morning, I have been thinking quite a bit recently in, in light of uh, what's happening at Sun Lakes in this pandemic and not having all the people we used to have. We too have the cameras and the screens now and we're live streaming and have almost as many people live streaming as we have in sitting in the pews each Sunday morning. And, and so there's some things differently uh, that are occurring and it's not always easy as we find ourselves in changing circumstances. And uh, so I've been reflecting a lot on three questions that God asks and I'd like to share them with you this morning. And, uh, begin by an experience I had when I was a district superintendent for six years in the Iowa Annual Conference. One of the responsibilities of a superintendent is to assess the district and lead in implementing new churches and revitalization of existing churches. Several of the towns there in that district, I had 89 churches in my district that I was responsible for had to have charge conferences in them every year and, uh, and meet with them when pastoral changes, those kinds of things. And uh, several of those uh, communities still had one. One community still had three, former, former Protestant Methodist Church, a former EUB church. You know what EUB? Evangelical United Brethren. And former Methodist Church. In 1968, the, United, or the Methodist Church and the EUB Church merged to form one church. But that's still a left in communities at that time, two churches now that were both United Methodists, sometimes on opposite corners of the same block. An interesting experience. And. Uh, not one in one community there were three churches and they were all three struggling the town was declining as you can imagine in the uh, late 80s going through the farm crisis in the midwest and uh, they were they were struggling they were not paying their apportionments to the annual conference which of course is a big no-no right as united Methodists, we make a commitment that we will support the general church who has ministries all over the world. All three of these little churches were on equitable salary support. Two of them had part-time pastors. That means uh, they weren't necessarily ordained or they were not full-time. They were very part-time. They were struggling. And they were also adapt at playing the victim. 
So after some careful research and uh, determining something needed to be done, I called a meeting of the leadership of the three churches at a neutral site. They were immediately concerned that I was going to close one of the churches or two of the churches and make them merge. And I assured them that that wasn't the case. I wasn't about trying to close churches. I knew they were unhappy with continuing to have ministers who were just entering the system or retired, retiring, and ready to, to quit and kind of going through the motions till they could get retired. That never happens with churches, right? Never happens in business or any other organization, does it? Of course it does. And uh, they also had some shame about not being able to pay their apportionments. And so they were struggling, all three, with low attendance and were simply keeping the door open. The mission of those three churches was to keep going until they had to close the doors. They told me that right up front. So uh, I shared some facts and figures with them and suggested over the next year I plan to meet with them to explore together how God might lead us to a more effective use of resources for ministry in their town. And I began each meeting with a brief devotional and then asked, where do you think God is leading us and what do you think God wants us to do? We struggled for five months. When I asked the question again the sixth month, one of the key leaders of the town and one of the churches, he happened to be the mayor of, the, of that little town and also the lay leader in one of the churches, he, uh, he slapped the table with his fist like that and said, uh, Reverend, with a red face and almost shouted it out, Blanket Reverend, I know what I want to have happen, but I sure as blank don't know what God wants in this situation. Do you? Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. For my, once, I was smart enough to keep my mouth shut. I didn't say anything, and I saw heads nodding around that table. And they recognized that something needed to change and they began to talk and from that moment things just turned a different way and out of it came a blended situation of one church with three buildings one administrative and program structure that used all three buildings they turned one of the buildings into a youth center for the town the other two churches they used for worship experiences at different times and uh, what this did was freed up resources for ministry, paying their apportionments in full, and we were able to get them a pastor who had experience and a family, which they were delighted to have. And the last I heard, they're still going strong in that community. And so as I reflected on appropriate words I might say to you today, it seemed right for me to do some sharing around some thinking I've been doing three questions God is asking us as we search for greater faith in Jesus Christ and a deeper commitment to those things which matter most in life. And hopefully as I work my way through these with you, they will sharpen our sensitivity to where and what God is calling us 
to do as Chandler United Methodist Church. And so the first question is found in the third chapter of Genesis following the disobedience of the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden. When they'd eaten of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, they realized they were naked and they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. And when God came in that evening to visit with them, they were not to be found. God began searching and calling out, where are you? Well, why would God do that? Because God created us for relationship. So how might we respond if God were to ask us, where are you? Well, we might very well respond, well, we're right here in church, God. We're getting ready for this fall so that we can continue to be what we've always done in ministry. But I don't think that's the answer that God is asking, is it? May I expand on the question God asks? I see it as a very important question for each of us and for our church. Where are you in your spiritual journey? How have you grown since this time a year ago? If you took a moment and reflected back a year ago, where were you spiritually? Where are you today? What have you said no to so you might say yes to something else? Now, oftentimes there's so much going, it's hard to, to know, but sometimes it means we have to say no to good in order to say yes to the better. And where have you embraced the important as you let go of the urgent? Where are you in your relationship with others? Are you a bit less critical and judgmental in your attitude? Where are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? That is uh, patience. You know, it's always troubled me that in 1 Corinthians, when Paul writes about love, you remember that passage? He starts it off at describing what love is, and he says the first one is, love is patient. I wish he'd have waited and put that down further in the line. Because one of my struggles personally is I'm an impatient person by nature. My wife says my problem is I want everything to happen yesterday. You know, I, I'm, patience is not uh, necessarily my virtue. Where are we growing in understanding? Forgiveness, appreciation of others who may be different from us, holding different understandings and views in life. In other words, how are the fruits of the Spirit becoming more evident in us. Where are you and I in terms of the least of these? Remember Jesus said that what we do to and with them is what we're doing to him. And I hope our answer isn't ouch. Where are you in your ministry position as a part of Chandler United Methodist Church? You see, each of us by baptism is a minister. And you answered the call to be a member of the church with hopes and fears, dread and excitement, the desire to count for something, to make a real difference. 
but the snakes of doubt, time constraints, demands can rob us of the energy to carry out our task in the creative, meaningful way we intended. And the other snakes of fear, disillusionment, and routine can crush our spirit and fill us with excuse. And like Adam of old, we look around for somebody else to blame. You mean Adam looked around and he blamed the well, he really blamed God. You remember he said, uh, the woman that you gave me, God. In other words, if you hadn't given me that woman, she wouldn't have deceived me and I would, we wouldn't be in this pickle. Isn't that interesting? How often we find excuses and, and blame others. We know that uh, God is coming. We know the question God will ask. Where are you? The second question God asks is in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 19. Elijah, the prophet of God, had just been scared out of his wits by the threat of King Jezebel to kill him. You remember what, how, what happened? You remember that story on Mount Baal? Well, in that time, well, let me summarize it then real, real quickly, all right? They'd had a tough time in Israel, and the king had married a, a woman from another land who believed in the god Baal, B-A-A-L. It was a god that they fashioned with their own hands, and they worshiped that. And, and uh, Elijah was prophet of Yahweh, and... So things weren't going well, they were having lots of problems, and uh, they saw the nation, the times, going down the tubes, and so Elijah called the prophets of Baal to come and meet him, and uh, they were going to have a contest. He said, build an altar, put the wood, put the sacrifice on it, and then what we're going to do is you pray for your god Baal to send down fire and consume it, and when you're done, if it hadn't happened, then I'll call on my God to send down fire and so on. Well, the prophets of Baal went on and on all day long for 12 hours, dancing and prancing, cutting themselves, calling on their God to send down fire to consume the sacrifice, and nothing happened. And just about dusk, Elijah said, okay, now it's my turn. Had the altar built, put the wood, the sacrifice on it, had them pour over barrels of water, and then he said, in effect, okay, God, do your thing. And like that, the fire came down, consumed everything but the stones. And as a result, Elijah said, let's just get rid of these false prophets. And so they had a killing spree and got rid of them. Well, when Jezebel, the queen, heard about that, she sent a message and she said, I'm going to get you the same way you got my prophets by this time tomorrow. And here's Elijah had this great experience. He lets his fear get him. He takes off as fast as his two legs can take him to hide out. And uh, on the way to get rid of his fear, he went to sleep. He forgot God ran on his own. And the interesting thing is, God didn't forget Elijah. When he was so tired that he couldn't go any further, he fell asleep under a tree. 
and God provided food and drink two times to sustain his life. Elijah ate, drank, and slept, and then without a word of thanks, he continued on his way till he was hidden in a cave where he could fearfully ponder his fate. Elijah forgot one thing. You can't hide from God. And he couldn't hide from himself. And just about the time he let out a deep sigh of relief and settled into a comfortable nook, he heard God question. In the darkness and silence of the cave, God said to him, Elijah, why are you here? In other words, Elijah, why'd you run? Your work's back there. Do you think you can solve your problem by running away? Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds by saying, in effect, You know, Lord, you better be careful. I'm the only one down here that still believes in you. If I hadn't run here, Jezebel would have killed me. And then where would you be, God? Besides, I'm only looking out for your best interests. Elijah, why are you here? Haven't I shown you I'll take care of you? The tide was just beginning to turn. We just won a great victory on Mount Carmel. If you'd stayed and not run, if only you trusted me, we would have taken care of Jezebel. Yes, Lord, I know, but this time it was different. She was breathing hot and heavy. She was uh, getting close to my neck, and it scared me to death, and that's why I'm here instead of there. Come here, Elijah, I want to show you something. Elijah goes to the mouth of the cave, and a strong wind passes by. After the wind, an earthquake, after the earthquake, a fire. But God was not in any of them, the scripture tells us. You know, we would all appreciate if God had come in some dramatic ways at times. Something that would get everybody's attention and let us know for sure we're on the right track. Am I right? Yeah, sometimes we wish. Well, we would like some forceful way which would change things right now. And thank you. If only God would do something great, it would be a lot easier. But God never does it our way. God comes in God's way, in God's time, not our time. And when God comes, it is always so power, unexpectedly powerful that it overwhelms us and makes us want to hide. But then the question came again to Elijah. Why are you here, Elijah? You know, Elijah, you're not the only one I have left. You've been having a good pity party for yourself and your pride has done you in. There are still 7,000 people who haven't bowed the knee to a false god. Now come on, let's get back to the flow of where I called you to be. Isn't it interesting, God's promise of presence and that God didn't give up on Elijah even though Elijah gave up on God. Hold on to that. We may give up on God, but God never gives up on us. And the third question is found in the book of Isaiah. He came to Isaiah in the temple after his awareness of being in the presence of a holy and righteous God. And the awe of the moment seized the Isaiah to his sinful condition. He realized with stark terror, not only was he a sinner, but that he lived among sinners. 
and God initiates the way in which Isaiah is forgiven. One of the seraphim, that's one of the, the angels, the sign of God's presence, touches his lip with a live coal, which is a sign of God's purifying power. Did this literally happen? No, that's not what's important. What it was, was he had a religious experience in which these things happened that changed his life, his thinking, and his person. And when his guilt and sin are taken away, his ears are unstopped, and he hears God speaking. And the message of God was for everyone gathered there today, but only Isaiah heard God say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here am I, send me. In other words, if you can use me, God, here I am ready and willing to do what you're calling me to do. You know, the call of God does not always come so easily to us as it did to Isaiah, does it? It comes though when faithful people, sensitive to the holiness of God, are cleansed of their sin and are able to hear with clarity God's call to them. God wants to do something positive and special with the life we've been gifted. And so this morning, in this worship experience together, I hear God asking us, well, me at least, where are you, Marvin? Why are you here? And what will you do for me? Those questions are very personal for each of us. They also confront the people called Chandler United Methodist Church. It's not the time for excuses or alibis or blaming someone else. It's a time to look deep inside and answer as honestly as we can. And the good news that even in our self-centeredness, even in our failures and sinfulness, God has not forgotten you or me or this church. And even if we've been unfaithful in our call at times, God continues to be there with us, nourishing us in our flight, through our excuses, on to this very moment in our life. You see, God initiates reconciliation by coming to us where we are, forgiving us, and inviting us back to where we need to be. And God does it with three very simple questions. They probe to the heart of our being. Where are you? Why are you here? And who will go for us? I invite you to reflect upon those three questions in this coming week in your life and the life of this congregation. Amen, and amen, and all the people said, Amen. Let's see. Our hymn is number 454. I invite you to stand and join as we sing together, Open My Eyes That I May See. in my hand the wonder 
invite you to go from here in peace knowing that wherever you find yourself with whatever you have to deal with God is already there ready to meet and to help you through the situation enhancing the joy taking care of the troubles and giving you peace go in peace amen <laughs>